This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you. Visit it and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Today we're in a one-week kind of reprise of a series that we do every summer called At the Movies. Now, uh, this is a very popular series. Many churches across the country do this series where we focus in on movies that are in the box office right now that are being shown in cinemas just like this all across the country. And we present timeless truth through a timely story. And I, I think that it's often could be kind of subjected that we, we do this because we meet in a movie theater, but I don't think that that's even close to why we do this. We do this because I think that story itself is powerful. Really, if you think about the history of the world, right, up until now, it, it's very uh, kind of quick into history that we get to the written word, to the printing press, where history would have been recorded with dates and figures, you know, especially in the last 20 to 30 years as the world has shifted its record-keeping to digital, uh, the way that we think about an event has changed. Instead of focusing now on, on what we focus on now today is, is typically the facts. Right? When did it happen? How many people were involved? But up until now, before the written word, stories were passed down from generation to generation because they were stories. There's something about story that is powerful to us. So as we get ready to start today, before we even jump into the, the movie itself, I want to talk to you about why story is so powerful. First thing that I want you to see is that story engages us emotionally and spiritually. Story has the capacity to engage us emotionally and spiritually. So much so that the ancient Greeks said that our, our spirits and our souls would encounter something in the midst of watching a story. Now, this is a pagan culture and pagan perspective of the world, but they, they realize there's something deeper that happens inside of me when I watch a story. They called it a catharsis. They, they subjected that our souls were, were clean through that process, but... It's, it's something deep that connects to us in story. I think it's important to realize, number two, that story is the primary way that God teaches us in the Bible. Now, we love facts. Wouldn't it be awesome if the, the Bible had a section in it that was called, like, the manual for life, right? It's like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And there are portions of the Bible that seem to do that. Proverbs is... One of those that is the do this and don't do that. And a lot of the epistles, the Pauline epistles, you know, beginning with Romans all the way through through the Hebrews, right, into the letters from John, those have a little bit of that do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that. But largely, Scripture is story. Largely, Scripture is story. It is the story of Jesus in the Gospels and then the stories that Jesus himself would tell. 
Isn't it interesting that often when Jesus was asked a question, he didn't just give an answer, he told a story? That the Old Testament itself, from the very beginning, is itself the story of redemption. The story of how we blew it, how God came in to rescue us. So much of the way that God has sought out to instruct us connects itself to story. And here's why I think that is. Number three. Through a story, God can teach us without needing a firsthand experience. Through a story, we can learn without having to have that firsthand, first-person experience. How many of you have ever loved someone that was a little younger than you, perhaps your kids or maybe a little brother or a little sister, and you loved them so much you didn't want them to go through the same pain that you had went through in the past? And so you tried to instruct them, you tried to guide them, you tried to lead them, and what tended to happen? They did it anyway, right? Most of us can remember our parents warning us not to do this or to do that. And the reason they were doing that is that they were trying to instruct us because they loved us and cared for us. I think God has hidden within story the capacity for us to enter into the story emotionally and spiritually and learn a lesson from that story without having to be the person where everything explodes in our life. You see, oftentimes when I see the horrendous stories play out in the news, and y'all know that the news is filled with a lot of bad stories, I look at it and go, and I'm, I'm one or two bad decisions from being where that person got. Not, not, I, that person is no different than me. I have the same capacity that they do. They just made some really bad decisions that put them in bad places. And hopefully, when we learn to encounter story and learn for ourselves, we can learn a lesson without ever having to learn the lesson. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the power of story. Now, Star Wars, and there are some of you, you guys know like how to speak the languages that are in the film. Let me just confess up front, that's not me, right? That's just not me. I watched the first three. I did not watch the, the prequel three, all right? But I caught up enough on the storyline so that I could be prepared for this film, right? The Star Wars is this great franchise of films produced by Lucasfilms that was bought by Disney. I don't know if you know your this is a Disney production. It's the first one since Lucasfilms has been bought by Disney. It, and this is going to date you a little bit, all right? So um, Star Wars came out in May 25th of 1977. Some of y'all remember that. I, I know exactly how old the franchise is because I came out in 1977 too, all right? All right, so, so I'm, I'm up to date on the 38 years that it's been since that happened, all right? 38 years, and here's another one, right? Here's another one. Every film out of the six films that have been produced so far, the first original three, the Star Wars, then Empire Strikes Back, and the Return of the Jedi, then the the prequel three, the three that came after that were one, two, and three, leading up to the original three. Every single one of those six has been nominated and has won Academy Awards. It, that in and of itself is a record for films. The first franchise where that's happened. It also holds the Guinness World Record for the most financially successful film franchise in history. 
I mean, not even just by a little bit, exponentially exceeding everyone that is, that's around it. Their merchandising and franchise is off the charts. So much so that Disney a few years ago realized that their worst time in the year for attendance was right after Christmas. Everybody loves to take their kids at least once to Disney for Christmas because of all the lights and all the stuff that they pull, they pull out all the stops for Christmas. But there was this big lull in January where people w- would visit and then they would come back during the spring. So Disney made this really marketable, awesome decision to make January Star Wars month. And they kill it. They've, their sales skyrocketed for January. Because Star Wars is a huge brand. It's a powerful story. And it's neat because it connects to some realities that all of us need to have exposed every once in a while. I'm going to get into those in just a moment. But in case you're like me and you're not overly familiar with the storyline, let me catch you up to where we are. The, the story of Star Wars largely centers on the character of Anakin Skywalker up to now. Okay? Up to this one. This is the first of the last three. So there were three that were original. They're kind of the middle story. There are three that were produced in the 90s as prequels. And now these are coming back as the last three of the story. Anakin Skywalker has been the the main character. Anakin, we know him in those middle three as Darth Vader. All right? We know him as Darth Vader. Anakin was rescued when he was a boy, and he was trained to be a Jedi. A Jedi is uh, kind of like the guy who has a, a mastery over what's called the Force, all right? Mastery can use the Force for good, and in Anakin's case, we're going to find that they can use it for selfish means. Anakin eventually is going to father two, uh, a, a set of twins, all right? We, these are going to become very important characters, uh, Leia and, and Luke. Leia is is adopted and raised by royalty. She would become the princess Leia. And then Luke, who is found later in the story, becomes a major player. After a series of wars that are described throughout the film, there, the, the dark side, the empire, all right, takes a hold of the universe. That's really what has happened. That evil is in control, has destroyed, looks like has destroyed good. But we know that a rebel force is beginning to grow. Anakin, in this pivotal moment, chooses instead of using his powers for good, he chooses what the movie calls the dark side. To take what he knows about the reality of the force and to use it for evil. So, towards the end of, 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 of the first installment, Anakin, er, Darth Vader is killed. And this one is going to pick up 30 years into the future. Now, as we fast forward 30 years from the original kind of place that this thing drops us off at, just to make sure we're all here, Luke is still around. He has ran away. Nobody knows where Luke Skywalker is. All right? The, the dark side now has, has taken over. It's called the First Order. So there's this powerful, evil group that is in charge of the world. And then we get started in the film. So what I want to do is to kind of elevate some things that I think this film makes so important and so prevalent and aware for us. So let's talk about the force today, the force in good and bad. I want you to see a reality that is so present in the Star Wars films. This is the first thing you notice. We live in a physical world 
and a spiritual world. We live in a physical world and a spiritual world. And most of our lives are lived for, for the majority of us, focused on what is present and physical. But in the film, there is this constant awareness that the force, this mysterious force that is behind the good and the bad, that is transcendent, and it's not locked into one place, it goes across the galaxy, that this force is involved in making things happen. Look at what Hebrews 11 says. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. Pay attention to this. What we see created by what we don't see. What we see created by what we don't see. I'd like to submit to you today that this is not just talking about the very beginning of creation. This isn't just rewinding and looking at Genesis 1 and the fashioning of the stars and the shaping of the earth itself. This is talking about in present day what we see created by what we don't see. What we see, the inspiration inspired by what we don't see. We live in a world where the invisible the spiritual is materialized into the physical. God is not just a creative God in the past, but He is a creative God today, creating through us. But it's not just God. Here's number two. Good and bad both exist spiritually. Good and bad both exist spiritually. This is one of the most troubling and difficult realities to wrestle with. Every major religion tries to wrestle with how can there be good and bad forces that are working beyond what we can see. You know, in a lot of Eastern religions, whether it be uh, Buddhist or, or Hindus, they, they answer this with the understanding of karma, that that we do bad things and then the, the universe repays us with bad things, so the evil exists in our hearts. We do good things, and then the universe repays us with good things. But I want to tell you that that's not the reality that is presented to us in the Bible at all. First, look at this. Psalm 136.1. This is a sentiment that is echoed throughout all of the Scriptures. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Do you want to understand who is good, what is good? It is quite simple. It is God himself. God is good. God is good. And we live often in the spectrum of trying to divide the world into good and bad. Let me help you today. There is God that is good and everything that is not God is bad. It is just that simple. God is good. But we live in a world that's not just controlled by God. You remember the beginning of the story. God created a garden. 
made it perfect, gave us every opportunity to have the perfect life, gave us one rule, and we broke it. We blew it, and sin entered the world. See, we need to know John 4.24. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I, I want you to get this today, that God is spirit. He is spirit. The powerful reality of Christmas is that a spiritual, eternal God would become a temporary, material being. So that he could redeem us all and be the perfect sacrifice for us. That word worship that's there in John 4 is the, it, better translated respond. That's really what worship is all about. Responding to God. God is spirit. And if, though, if we're going to worship anything, we're going to respond to God who is spirit. His way is the truth. God is good, but there's, if you're remotely present in this world, you know that there, there's a, a force that is at work in our world that is not good. There, there is an evil that, that lurks, and we see it occasionally throughout history, raise its head. We, we know that right now, and it's, it's one of those things that because of the internet, I'm not going to say thanks to the internet, but because of the internet, we see the atrocities that are happening half a world away. And we live in that world where the presence of evil is, is tangible. I want you to see this, Ephesians 6. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. See that? Not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Who's the enemy? Can I clarify with you? Is it a flesh and blood person? It is not. We are fighting against rulers and authorities in an unseen world who through evil men have found a way to make manifest their evil on this earth. Good and bad both exist spiritually. And number three, our lives will largely be determined by how we respond to the good and the bad that we encounter. Here's the truth that many of you already know, but I just want to remind you of it. The good in this world and the bad in this world always offers us an invitation. It always offers us an invitation. The bad things in this world are always going to invite you in. And up front, they're going to look awesome. They're going to look fun. They're going to look like something you need. But let's go back. What is good and what is bad? Good is God. Bad 
is anything that is not God. And when we live in a world that we have decided good and bad, good and bad, good and bad, we're turning our our face, turning away from the reality that we're constantly being invited by the good and evil things in this world. The good thing is God. God is constantly inviting you to follow him, to be transformed by him, to know him even more. God is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit, respond to him, have a spiritual relationship with God. Can I just tell you something today that that is so confused in our culture? You are not a Christian because you have a fish on the back of your car. You are not a Christian because you wear a cross around your neck. You are not a Christian because you have a faceplate of Scripture on the front of your door. You are a Christian because you have a responsive relationship with the God who defines what is good. That's what makes us a Christian. That's what makes us a Christ follower. So what I want to do is I want to highlight three characters that are in this film right three characters and it's kind of you can tell that this film is the stage setter for the next two that are coming after it as they complete the final trilogy now it's interesting uh, the original luke skywalker is back the original princess leia is back in the film all right 30 something years later so they've aged perfectly to be in timeline for the film. Harrison Ford is back as Han Solo. The big three are back, but there are three new characters that emerge in this film. And you can tell that they're set in the stage for these to be the major players of the film as it comes up. And each one of them, in their own way, encounters the force and makes a decision as to how they're going to respond to the force. The first one is probably the character that was featured in the trailers the most. Her name is Ray. Now, Ray, as we meet her, Ray is deserted by her family. She's living alone on what is largely a deserted planet. She makes a living by scavenging, by going throughout the whole planet, trying to find something, and then trading what she finds for a daily ration of food. It's evident that she's lonely and that she longs to be a part of her family again. One of the scenes gives this this sweeping panorama over a huge wall where she's marked every day that she's been without her family. And the wall is covered with them. And that's like many of us. Many of us have been orphaned by sin. God wants you to be a part of a family. We like to talk about our church as being a a spiritual family. God wants you to experience relationships with people that care about you, to have people around you that encourage you, that help you. But many of us are just like Ray. And as her story begins to intersect with the force, even though she's fiercely independent, She acquiesces to what is happening to her and then wholeheartedly jumps into being a part of this new thing. 
Here's the response that we see. Number one in your notes. We receive the offer to join God's family as a welcome solution for our loneliness and lostness. We receive the offer to join God's family as a welcome solution to our loneliness and lostness. So I think that we find someone who was lost and without purpose just trying to survive. And after she is invited into the story and receives and welcomes that invitation, she all of a sudden has greater power than she ever knew. She now has a purpose that she didn't have. We see this in, echoed in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Look at this with me. Long before God laid out the earth's foundations, He had us in mind. Had settled on us as a focus for His love. He decided to adopt us into His family through Jesus Christ. Think about that. God in His foreknowledge way before we ever rebelled and walked away from him, knew that one day our sin would leave us lonely and lost. And God planned, well before he ever even fashioned this world, to adopt us into his family. Just like Ray, that offer is there for those of us that feel lonely and lost. But there's a different reaction. There's a different kind of reaction that we see in another character's largely called Ren. His name is Kylo Ren. He's actually, we don't really, I'm not like, again, Star, Star Wars, you know, buff, like many of you know all the facts, but, but Ren is the son of Han Solo and Princess Leia. In the span between the last film and this film, when it opens up, Ren trained under Skywalker with a bunch of other Jedis. He was trained in the ways of the force, but just like his grandfather, Anakin, Ren would choose the dark side and turn on Luke. And all of the young Jedis that he was training with were killed, leaving just Luke as the Jedi Knight. That's why Luke has ran away to be uh, isolated and alone. See, he is well aware of the inside the good, but he chooses the bad. This is what I, I would say, this is in your notes, that we are offered the privilege of knowing good, but we choose evil instead. We are offered the privilege of knowing good, but we choose evil instead. And I know that many of us if we could turn that saying into a label, we'd love to slap that on somebody we know, right? I know that guy. That guy who, he's just looked straight in the face of good and said, no, I don't want that. Read this verse with me out of Isaiah. It's going to perhaps change our perspective on that. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turning to our own way. See, Isaiah helps clarify that for us. Who is that person? It's all of us. It's all of us. We all have looked into God's ways and looked at God and said, God, I'm smarter than you. I'm going to do it my way. 
My daughter doesn't know a ton about the Bible yet. She's four. She's got a few verses that she's memorized. We're working with her to memorize Scripture. We're trying to explain God to her recently, and one of the ways that we described her was say, Honey, God is smarter than me. He's smarter than you. So now, anytime we talk about an idea, hey, I have an idea, let's watch a movie, she'll say, that's a good idea, but you know who has a smarter idea? God. (laughs) See, God is smarter than us. He is bigger than us. And we, just like sheep, who are remarkably stupid animals, look at the way of the master and say, God, no. I want to do it my own way. God, I know that your plan is for me to forgive the person that insulted me and hurt me. But you know what, God? I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to stay bitter. I'm going to stay hurting. God, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to heal over this. God, I'm going, to, I'm going to look into your plan and say no. I'm going to look at you and say, God, no, I'm not going to be generous. I'm going to hoard my wealth. I'm not going to give. I'm going to keep it all to myself. God, I know that your plan is for me to live in community and in relationship with people that love me. But God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things my own way. I'm going to hang out with people who I know don't have my best intentions in mind. We look at the heart of God and say, God, I know that your plan is for this, but I'm going to do it this way. Let me remind you of this. It is not a decision of good and bad in life. It is, it is a decision of either God or evil that is not God. You know the problem with good and bad? You know who decides whether something is good or bad? You do. You decide. You realize, this isn't in my notes, but somebody needs to hear this. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. In the Bible, there were two different trees that were described. First one is a tree of life. It's kind of the template for all the other trees that were in the garden. And God says, hey, there's one tree you can't eat from. It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from that tree, you'll die. What he's saying is that if if you try to become the person in life, that you become the author and decision maker of what is good and evil, you will die. But if you'll eat from the fruit that I gave you, you will have life. You see, when we live a good and bad life, we're the ones authoring it. We're the ones sitting in the throne becoming God. And Wren, Wren decides that even though he knows all the good, that the force can do. He turns to the dark side. Matthew 7, verse 21 says this, one of the scariest scriptures in all the Bible. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness who practice lawlessness see Jesus says there are going to be people who come to me during this judgment period that's going to happen one day when we all stand before God 
And they're going to say, oh, Lord, it's good to see you. He's going to say, who are you? I don't know you. Oh, you're the dude with the fish on your car. You're the guy with the cross necklace. You're the guy with the Christian T-shirts. You're the guy who always reposts that thing on Facebook, that if you love Jesus, you'll repost this. But I don't know you. As a a matter of fact, you're living lawless, which means that you've refused to submit your life to my standards. You're creating your own laws. And they might not be bad in the context of bad and good, but they're not my will. Who enters the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus says? The one who does the will of his Father. The one who does life God's way. It is not an issue of good and bad. It is an issue of God or no God. And Aunt Wren makes this decision that even, even though he knows and has the opportunity to know good, he chooses evil instead. The last character I want to introduce you to is a young man named Finn. Finn is my favorite character in the film. He is abducted forcefully from his family as a child. He's trained, brainwashed to become a a stormtrooper. And in one of the very opening scenes of the film, you see this conflict begin to arise in him as innocents are being slaughtered in front of him. And eventually, he turns, hijacks uh, a vessel and and runs away, not knowing what his future is going to be like. Many of us are like Finn. Our lives have been hijacked by sin. God's purpose for you has yet to be fulfilled. And it's been evil forces that were at work in your life to try to steal, to kill, and destroy you. But I'm praying that now and over the next few weeks, God wakes you up. That God wakes you up out of the reality that has been your reality into his reality. For Finn, Finn responds to the force by this. This is the way that we are captured by evil, but good rescues us. Good rescues us. Reminds me of Jesus' words in Luke 19 where he says, The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And for many of us, that's where life is today. We're like Finn. At the very beginning of the film, when he's running away, they ask him what his name is. He said, I don't have a name. I just have a number. I don't have an identity. I don't have a purpose. I want you to understand that in the heart of God, God has a name for you. God has a desire for you. He has a purpose for your life. God cares deeply about you. And even though your life up until this point may have been captured by evil, God, through His grace and mercy and His goodness, wants to captivate your heart today. He wants to invite you into his story to write a story that you could never imagine through you.
we'll turn to him, he will do more than we've ever asked, dreamed, or imagined. Let's pray. God, today, we thank you that you, God, are a gracious and generous God. God, that you have made a way well before we ever got into this position to receive us into your family. Some of us today, God, we have been orphaned to sin, and we come in alone, lonely, and lost. And some of us come in, really, if we look at our lives, feeling like our lives have been hijacked by sin itself. And God, today, we just ask you, no matter how we are lost, God, we look at the reality that that is found in your presence, in your words, that you came to rescue us, God. So God, we look to you today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me just ask you a simple question. I don't want you to worry about the person that's sitting next to you, behind you, around you. Nobody's looking at you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's the question. Do you feel lost today? Do you feel lost? Have you tried things that you're like, this is a good thing, this is a good thing, this is a good thing, but it hasn't been a God thing. And today you feel lost because you've ran from the purpose that you know God has for your life. You've ran from the relationship that you know God wants to have with you. Are you lost today? Because if you are, and you want that relationship with God, all you have to do is ask for it. He's already paid the price for all of your failures. All of our failures were covered under the blood of Jesus at the cross. If that's you and you say, that's me, I, I, I'm lost, but I want that relationship with God. Raise your hand right now. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. I just want you to raise your hand as that, that statement between you and God right now. Raise your hand if that's you. Who else? So God, we just, we look to you today and we ask you, God, through your grace and mercy to come and rescue us. You are a good and loving and gracious God. And God, we love you. Thank you for paying the price so that we could be adopted. God, thank you for letting your family get a little bit more messier because you bring us in and God, you know that we're just a big old hot mess but you love us anyway. God, I pray that for those that have raised their hands and for all of us who have committed our lives to you, that you will continue to instruct us, lead us, and guide us. Show us your ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, We encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.